Bob McCowan podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. McCowan here, Shannon there. Hello, Two guests today again. Yeah. What's going on? I don't know. We better talk to the producer. No, I, um, he he might be in trouble or something. So, our friend Brian Cooper uh, spent uh, a decade on the board of uh, Hockey Canada and has some the the foundation, Bob, on the Hockey Canada Foundation, right? right? Not on the actual board, but yeah. And he has some interesting thoughts on what's happened the last little while. Yeah. And our other friend Bob Nicholson testified what yesterday? Yesterday, yeah, yeah. And so we'll talk to Brian about his thoughts on Nicholson's testimony and where Hockey Canada goes from here or where they should go. And then Pilmal Clemens has the Argonauts in the Grey Cup again. And uh, this time against the juggernaut Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Hold on. We, we, are doing, we are doing two consecutive days of Canadian football coverage? It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's fantastic. I'm thrilled. Well, Brian Cooper first, and then Pillball Clemens after him. Stick around. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers. Dot com. McCowan and Shannon back with you. Uh, and we are with our uh, sports business analyst. Brian Cooper is uh, with us. You have spent... now, you now an official job on the podcast, Brian. That's good. Oh, thanks, John. It'll reflect in your pay. I was just yeah. going to say when the check comes. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 now. <laughs> Oh, God. You spent 10 years on the board of uh, Hockey Canada, working primarily with sponsorship dollars um, when you were still working, of course. So you have a little insight as to this, what this company is about. And they've taken a lot of heat, and justifiably so, I think, over the last while. Uh, but Bob Nicholson, the former head of Hockey Canada, now with the Edmonton Oilers, um, spoke yesterday. What did you take from... Mr. Nicholson's uh, address. Well, first of all, you know, Bob, I was 10 years on the Hockey Canada Foundation board, which does a lot of the sponsorship and marketing uh, related to the foundation and to the organization itself. And, you know, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Brian Cooper as chairman of MKTG Canada or on behalf of Brian Cooper as, as a chair of Canada Basel. I'm speaking to someone that was close to the situation uh of the operations the business operations and you know i gotta tell you uh, well first of all bob and scott and john you know them and so do you uh, uh, bob uh, i would never question the integrity of either one of these uh individuals it, it that does not diminish the the gravitas and and the egregious nature of what has been alleged by these incidents in 2018 and 2003 but 
you know, the Hockey Canada board, when, when Bob took it over, was in destitute financially. They built that organization in prudent business manner. Uh, they've, uh, you know, as Canadians, we were all along for the ride. That, you know, this is probably the most unifying event, initiative, and symbol of our country. Sometimes more so than anything else. Largest television audiences when we're watching the Olympics in 2010, and we're all pounding our chest because we were globally dominant in hockey. 2002, when we first came back with the with the the golden men and men and women, it was a, it's a unifying symbol uh, because that's the only thing that Canadians we were globally dominant in. The the NSO itself, Hockey Can itself, doesn't have control of the grassroots doesn't have control of, of a human behavior. Can, you know, it, it can hardly reach down with its sponsors to go and tell the local team in Brampton of what they're gonna be wearing on their jersey, or we have a national sponsor that's gonna do a program. They can hardly reach down to that. They fund those programs. They take funds back from those programs in terms of registration as well. You know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, this was Johnny's registration money that was going to pay off sexual assault uh, settlements. First of all, that's not true. Uh, the registration dollars, and I could be a little off on the numbers, but I think I got them pretty right. Uh, on an annual basis, registration is about $1.8 million to Hockey mm -hmm. Canada. Johnny's $3 that goes in right. to Hockey right. Canada. They have an annual budget between $45 and $65 million a year. These are mixed revenues that go to fund these, these uh, various legacy funds, et cetera, that are used to, and this is a prudent business de decision, any business would do this. You set up funds for unanticipated, uninsurable situations. And it's whether it's Graham James or the situation they're going through now, or Johnny's daddy, you know, got upset at the game and attacked the ref or on ice, you know, player, the two hands, another kid uh, across uh, the back. And, and there are, are many, many situations, two parents fighting in the stands. These are uninsurable acts that they may be enjoying in a lawsuit. And that is what these funds are used for, not just sexual assault. Yeah, it was, you know, it's, I, I, it was I, interesting I, to hear Brian yesterday. Um, uh, I think both Brad, uh, 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 sorry, Pat and Bob talked about Brad Horning. And I think yeah. we've forgotten Brad Horning, who was a, a junior hockey player in Regina uh, that became a quadriplegic. Right. Uh, and the, uh, there was a massive injury payout. And that didn't come from the Western Hockey League or the Saskatchewan Minor Hockey Association. Or, or their came, insurance. Or the insurance. That came from the one of these funds. Well, and you know, I got to tell you, when you're competing... The competitive nature of sport uh, brings out negative issues. You're aggressive. Your, your, your disciplinary control goes down. You see somebody gets hot-headed on the ice or in the stands. I mean, that's what sport does. And they have done everything, you know, that they can without being sitting next to the guy in the stands to stop it. I mean, they had a campaign. Remember the hitting from behind? They had yeah. the, uh, stop sign. The, the stop, the stop sign. sign on on the back. You know, they, they put in codes of contact conduct and Bob said they didn't go far enough. And, you know, Bob admitted to a, a number of things that he wished he could have done more stricter policies, more, more, more oversight, less in camera uh, and more minuted meetings. 
But, you know, at the same time, uh, they grew the game. They, 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 they were the first, I'm going to get the women's game. Talk about inclusivity and diversity. They had specific campaigns to go out to reach new Canadians. And, you know, part of those were the sponsors that we brought in, that they were developing programs that would grow the grassroots level. Hockey's an expensive sport. They developed programs that would uh, provide financial assistance for kids entering the first step of the game, for equipment, for registration. The foundation, I don't know how many rinks they renovated and gave money to. You know, the galas that we all attended, and I chaired a number of them uh, for the foundation, half of those funds raised, like a half a million dollars, went back to the local uh, community. So there was a lot of good that was done and continues to be done. Were they wrong in these cases? I think the, the wrong part about these is there's no consequences needed out. Graham mm -hmm. James had consequence. These players, because of the nature of the, of the situation and they're restricted by legalities, this woman who, who put it forward said NDAs, doesn't want anybody involved with uh, named. And so they, they have to abide by the law. The um, the the interesting thing in listening to both gentlemen yesterday was uh, their admission of, of call for transparency as someone who uh, runs a, a sports board, as you do. How, how difficult is transparency? It's not difficult, John. And that's where I think they went wrong. Um, you know what? I, I, I think you also have to look at the makeup of these boards. And this is all due respect to the people that served on that board. Hockey Canada's board, a, a good board is made up, geographic representation, gender representation, race representation, and subject matter experts mm -hmm. that, that are maybe passionate about the game, but don't necessarily have to be a player, a coach, et cetera. Hockey Canada's board has a legacy of the 13 uh, partners that they have so the guy's a mailman in PEI. His son is playing. And after eight years, his son drops out. He stays with the organization and becomes a senior person because he stayed with it for a longer per period of time. Not a subject matter expert. Definitely doesn't know the, the rules of governance because he's right. never sat on a board before. And that's what that board was. It was an unsophisticated board. So, so, so it, here, here's what's interesting because what you're calling for is governance, and what that calls for is legal counsel, and what that calls for is money. <laughs> you connect the dots, which is which is similar to the PR firm that I believe they paid 1.6 million dollars to, because they didn't have anybody in house that had that expertise. Correct. And, and uh, but look, every board should have independent subject matter experts and people that are connected to the game. That includes, John, marketing, human resources, right. finance, right. legal, risk management. So and to be honest, with you, I'm doing that with Canada basketball. Uh, right. When I came on board a couple of years ago as chair, I made uh, seven or eight changes to the board looking for that expertise. So you mean people on the board that are actually actually are lawyers, actually come from the marketing world so that they understand? Business people, marketing right. people, tech people, uh, human resources, people connected to the NBA, people connected to the grassroots, broadcasters. But there are but the structure then of your board is much different than Hockey Canada that is represented by regions of the country. True, true. And that's a legacy. That's an old time 
way to do it. It's a legacy board. Okay. Uh, they need to mix in independent subject matter experts. I got to tell you, the, the, the other side that, you know, those people and, you know, they've done a really good job in growing the game. But they're not providing the proper governance to Bob and Scott. As an operator, you look to your board for help, okay. networking, subject matter expertise, funding. I mean, and, and let me tell you about the funding. So most NSOs, I'd say the average NSOs in this country, get about 70% of their funding from the government. Mm -hmm. 70%. They have a hands-up mentality. They haven't developed properties. They don't have broadcast contracts, whether it's archery or whatever. Hockey Canada's, I think, around 12 or 13%. And you know why? Huge broadcast deal that they developed by doing the World Juniors. The merchandise sales that they developed by winning and, go, and, and going down to the grassroots. Corporate partners that are the best brands in this country that develop programs for them. Their revenue streams, ticketing from the world juniors, I mean, they have developed a very steady business that is not reliant on the government. But that's not the issue right now, Brian. The issue is the incident that happened, allegedly. But And, and Bob, I'm not taking away from that. I'm not taking... You can't stop human behavior. And... I understand. Do, do they need a better... Uh, in this case, you know, they're saying about transparency. Well, the next day they were with the London police. They followed what the police said. Police said that the, it was over. They followed what their lawyers said. You know, I, I don't know an NSO that may have handled it differently. I don't know. I, I, again, I'm not demeaning what happened. I mean, it's egregious. It's hateful. Right. Yeah, I think one of, one of the things that you, you know, this... I think when you when you look at it from fifty thousand feet, um, you, you know, and even in yesterday's hearing, Brian, you got to. I mean, there was some questions about the sexual assault and the alleged sexual assault because there there are two because nothing's been proven in Halifax yet, mm -hmm. um, and 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 they did make it sound at one point that that the the executive at Hockey Canada were complicit in the sexual assaults, and and that that's where. That's where it gets lost because they, they oh, weren't yeah. complicit in the sexual assaults. No, no. Uh, again, they weren't in the room. They weren't uh, with these players, you know, young kids that get out of control. And look, we've we've heard this, whether it's St. Michael's College. Was it two years ago? A hazing incident that happened in the locker yeah. room. Yeah. I mean, this is behavior that, you know, aberrant behavior uh, that needs to be uh, condemned. And there has to be consequences. I think in this case. And I'll tell you, you know, when someone puts an NDA in, you have to be very careful that you are not putting yourself in position, revealing names, uh, putting uh, information out into the public for defamation of character lawsuit, libel lawsuit. I mean, you, there are individual rights and guidelines that you have to follow. And I think I think in this case, they they that what is what restricted them. Again, was this wrong? totally totally wrong but it, it I, I i think there's a lot of things that the public doesn't see what should have been done with the london incident in your opinion how should they have handled it i don't have that answer uh you know what i look i i think 
They act. Well, the question is, is whether they should have paid the money or not. That's in the end. That's the, the question they, is, they do the they money? do a settle? Do they settle? Right. That is the question, right. Bob. Right. You know, and, and, and John, you're, that, you're exactly that's the right. question. Should they have paid the money? Should and 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 what was the fine line between and and a good conscience and guilt and i don't you know people are calling it a cover up i i don't i didn't i didn't view it as a cover up near as much as it was trying to protect the victim not the player well, and the that's victim. that's the point that bob made yesterday that they were trying to protect the victim the, vic the victim's wishes were i don't want to be uh, known uh, th uh, throughout this but I do want to get punitive damages. And, you know, I, I can understand that as well. Again, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm just smarter than them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I assume but, a, a lawyer consulted them when they did the London situation. 100%. 100%. They're lawyers and their insurance companies. Yeah. So tell, now, me what uh, the, uh, tell me what the big deal is then. If it's as simple as that, then it shouldn't be a big deal. What mistake did they make? There's an allegation of cover-up, Bob. Yeah. There, well, I know there is. There's a perception of cover-up, for sure. There's a perception of cover-up to protect the brand. And I got to tell you, you know, look, our clients and friends, they're saying, look, I invested in a brand that stood for all those things we just previously talked about. Winning, everything Canadian, unifying force, uh, it is a tarnished brand now because of these allegations of the way, not the allegations of sexual assault, but the way it was managed post uh, the allegations. That they, we, it is. But, and, 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 and in many ways, it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater because I think we need to get to the we need to get to the bottom of the the players. Well, well, the, yeah, the involvement and, 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 and the actual for. crime and the actual incident as opposed to. What's gone on? Because, John, this is what I said earlier. No one's paying any consequences. The public wants to see, wait a no. second, you did something wrong. You know, I don't want to see the check. I want to see you pay, do the time for, for doing what you did. And, you know, I got to tell you, you know, they talked yesterday about a toxic culture and said, you know, Bob, you built this toxic culture. Uh, toxic cultures don't happen from one person. Uh, you know, it, it, it is built over time. It is built as the actions I talked about previously, you know, whether it's Ram James or the St. Michael's things or, you know, parents fighting in the stands. And we've seen this aggressive. And, and to be honest with you, John, you know, we know broadcasters that went on the nationally funded broadcast Hockey Night in Canada each week. And some of the, some of the comments could be perceived as homophobic, xenophobic, yeah. misogynistic. Yeah. The, the the question becomes is um, those sponsors that walked away, uh, whether it's on hold or whether it's canceled with their dollars, would they have invested in a toxic a toxic culture? Like would no. would would Canadian Tire have invested in Hockey Canada if they saw it as a toxic culture? No, not at all. And you know what? Because there's there's a reputational risk in being associated with a brand that is toxic, that does not, that is perceived by the general public yeah. uh, in a negative light. And so, no, they wouldn't have. So all of those years before when they went into that, uh, and again, you know what? Look, this happens in every sport. Go to gymnastics in the United States. It does, it's not you know, just sports either, by the way, Brian. It it, it's not just sports. But in this case, sexual assault case, and again, I'm not 
uh, taking anything away from these allegations or the seriousness of the crime. Uh, but it is throughout society, specifically in sport, again, to the aggressive nature, the relationship between coaches and players, the, the you know, the, the passion that's associated with winning and losing. This shit happens. But and many of wrong. the, here's what's true too, Brian. Many of the sponsors of Hockey Canada that have walked away from Hockey Canada were your clients. Why would they not stand up for Hockey Canada if, in fact, there is a case to be made that well, they are you know being what? wrongly accused? Well, first of all, they're not going to get put themselves in the position of getting between an allegation uh, and a claimant and and uh, a player or the organization. That's not their place. A sponsor, you know, a sponsor is in there to gain some positive uh, connection with a brand that is. Uh, that is uh, reaches the mass consumer. Uh, but so, I'm not suggesting they stand up in favor of Hockey Canada, but why did they bail as quickly as they all did? Because of reputational risk. I mean, it, it's like any movement these days, you know, guilty until proven innocent. And uh, so, you know, like the Scotiabank, I mean, Scotiabank is supporting Hockey Canada and hockey for years. They, mm -hmm. they actually paused, but they continued to promote and support the, the women's program in Hockey Canada and women's program across the country at the grassroots level. They're not abandoning Hockey or Hockey Canada. They're abandoning that program that has been associated with these allegations. And, right. you know, that's the right, it's the right thing to do, Bob. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, last few minutes here. What's the answer? What's next? What has to happen? Well... Uh, look, I, I think um, reconstitution of the board, uh, better leadership uh, of the board by the by the chair. And I think I told you guys, you know, I made a couple of recommendations in speaking them as, as to you need somebody beyond reproach uh, mm -hmm. to be the interim chair and then reconstitute that board that includes us independent subject matter experts, as well as people that represent the game across the country. That's the first thing. Secondly, is then getting a new leader, uh, and that board is going to have to find a new leader uh, that is not so much a hockey person, but as a, a, a business person, uh, as Scott had turned into, and Bob as well. Look, Bob and Scott both come from hockey backgrounds. John, you've known. Yeah, that that was the, that's the interesting part of this. Is they were their job was to rebuild the game, and and then you hire HR people and you hire right. experts in their departments to manage the other parts. Right. And, you know, I think it's, it's swinging the other way is that you 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 have a business person to, to run the organization with HR and finance and marketing. And then you bring in a president of hockey operations that knows the game, that has the network, et cetera. Is the brand so, salvageable? Oh, without a doubt, it is. Yeah. Without a doubt, it's, the brand's not going away. And, you know, I don't think they should be changing the name. I mean, we've had this discussion before. There are other brands that have been in worse situations than this that have come back with with the proper steps taken to change. And I think Pat McLaughlin really said it well yesterday in terms of the steps that they are taking. Do you have a suggestion as to who the leader should be? Well, you know what I thought for the interim chair, do you guys know David Johnson, former governor general? Yeah. Yeah. Former former yeah. captain, I think, of Yale or Princeton. 
beyond reproach, great leadership skills. Mm -hmm. I would love to see him as the interim chair and let him that who is coming into the board at that point in time. Yeah, it's there's no question. Um, just to, in order to regain public confidence, yeah, it has to be from the outside. Yeah, it has gotta, to be it's, from it's the outside. It's trust, John. Yeah, it's, totally. it's uh, trust right. between the consumer and that organization. And yeah. again, they can't reach down to the kid playing in Brampton. Uh, so, you know, a, a lot, you know, the lights aren't going to go out while they make these changes at the top. Yeah. I apologize for the uh, cell phone. Five dollar fine, sir. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's going up to seven fifty because we just got a business managing guy. We have to pay him. <laughs> Uh, we must off, Brian. We thank you very much for your time, as always, and your insight. We appreciate it greatly. Good to see you guys. Nice to see you, too. Brian Cooper, we'll be back in a moment. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. These days, more athletes are speaking out about the importance of mental health. But you don't have to be in the pros to take care of your mental well-being and being focused and in the zone. Therapy is the best way to stay in peak mental shape. We've all seen firsthand the benefits of unloading the stress, of working through the emotional healing and dealing with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, and online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time. When you're ready to feel at the top of your game, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bobcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Bobcast. McCowan and Shannon with you, and we are joined by our pal, Pinval Clemens. What is your title with the Argonauts these days? Uh, they call me the general manager. Uh, but uh, all, all that means is uh, I, I serve everybody on the or, in the organization. So that's what my job is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. So did I actually see you down on the sideline on Sunday, you know, kind of calming things down a little bit? Was that you? Uh, not, not, not Sunday. That was, that was uh, weeks back. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So you didn't have to do it Sunday as well. No, no, no. Not this Sunday. Yes. They, uh, the team has grown together nicely. When this season began, did you think you had a team capable of being where you are now? Well, um, when uh, when I came on board, I, I told them that I, I thought that uh, um, the goal was to get to the Grey Cup in three years, right? Uh, consistent with that, we uh, took first place in the first year and uh, were one game away from the cup. And so, so you kind of maybe expedited those. Um, getting here is always difficult. I, you know, people can say whatever they want about a nine-team league and all of that. It, it, it is tough to get to this place. Um, but in saying that, um, after the first season, we really thought that we had a chance. Now, what, what is um, one of those hidden challenges uh, that people haven't really noticed or talked about a whole lot is that um, we, we've got a coach that was a rookie head coach, and uh, he has done a phenomenal job. Uh, so uh, our hat's off. To, to Ryan Dinwiddie, uh, but but what was more complicated is is you have a, a season where you finish in first place, right? Um, you're not for the coach of the year, uh, the best coach uh, head coach in the East, 
and almost all of his staff left. Uh, the head coach took his offensive uh, guys with him, right? So he was the defensive coordinator. He took his offensive guys with him. He ended up uh, having one guy that's the same this year as last year. So, so he's you're dealing with a totally different defense, an, an all new special teams coach in concepts, as as well as um, his his team that was around him from an offensive standpoint was depleted as well. And so, uh, with all these all this newness, um, was our greatest challenge in terms of everybody's lear learning new systems, learning new things, and and we've come together nicely in what is uh, um, less than a year's time. The other, the other person that you added to your organization uh, doesn't, uh, I don't hear his name very often, and that's Jim Barker. He, you brought Jim back. Um, what has Jim meant to the growth of this team? Uh, Jim is, is that, that sage advice and he has, you know, played, uh, in the background and he, he's, he's, he's the, the, the grandfather, the overseer. Um, now I, I, I do have, I do want to give credit to a couple of young guys who, who have been maybe even a little bit more instrumental in where we are. And that is, uh, Vince Magri. Uh, who is uh, our assistant GM and uh, Alex Russell, uh, who actually got me on this call. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but these young guys have, have uh, both done a tremendous job. And, and again, uh, uh, I brought Jim here, right, to, 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 uh, for, to collaborate and to, to bounce things off, to oversee, to, to watch the process, to gauge the process. And uh, uh, he, he's, he's done all of that, right? Uh, and and uh, so we're, we're we, it, it was, a, he, he actually went, went, uh, um, was the guy who brought Vince, uh, Vince Magri, who I mentioned, right just a bit ago. He, he brought Vince on. He gave Vince his first shot. So, so he, he is, he, he, he's, he's granddaddy to all of us. <laughs> you play a team that is, uh, has a chance to be one of the most dominant teams in the history of the Canadian Football League. Uh, the Edmonton Eskimos, of course, with Warren Moon, were they are the standard having won five in a row. But Winnipeg has a chance to be that kind of team. What do you make of them? Uh, well, I, uh, I I would say when when we look at, at this team, they really don't they 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 have no holes, right? They're they're good in all three uh, phases of the game. Uh, you know, they they have uh, the uh, the the really team guys that you need on on your team uh, to, to move your team forward, the, the guys that really uh, get the concept. Uh, the head coach is brilliant. Uh, I love him the pieces and uh, <laughs> uh, the whole group even on uh, Sunday, even though I hope he loses. Uh, but uh, um, they, 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 they are um, just uh, they're they're everything that you want in a team, and it will take a miracle to beat this team on Sunday. But I believe in miracles. You know, hey, you just you you brought up an interesting thing when you think you and Mike O'Shea on opposite sides. Don Matthews has got to be somewhere smiling, don't you think? 
Ah, wow, wow, yeah. And and uh, when we're together, we often, you know, he's the guy that we talk about, right? Yeah. He, yeah, he is. He's the good shepherd, right? He's the one who stewarded all of us and uh, gave us that additional vision and and uh, a real passion that he had too, right? And uh, so I, I think, yeah, both of us have have benefited. Uh, uh, I think Mike would have still been there. I'm not sure I would have. Yeah. Hey, and the other one is your quarterback. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I profess to be a semi CFL expert, which means that I don't know anything. Um, I would have told you a couple of years ago, this guy had no chance that this guy, you guys are, you guys are just, you're whistling into the wind, but man, oh man, what a season did he have? Why did, what changed for him, if anything, to make him a solid quarterback as he was this year? Uh, he, he's grown into the role, uh, role and gotten more confidence. It's, and it's it's really just that simple uh, <clears throat> because when we look, when you say two years ago, 2019, uh, with uh, uh, a team uh, that um, only was, had four wins, right. and, uh, he threw for 4,000 yards. Uh, so um, uh, consistent with that, um, having him one knowing that he is the number one quarterback he never really had that blessing he's always kind of been and uh uh two then uh being able to play in an offense now for a second year in a row uh those things uh i think have really aided him uh, again ryan has done a tremendous job uh, our quarterbacks coach uh, has a tremendous amount of experience and and uh he's done a phenomenal job uh um with him as well and and uh so i, I think that the combination of the confluence of those things uh have, have come together as the number one guy faith in him he's the guy starting the season mm -hmm. he's in the, in an offense that he already knows i think that was the tangible difference for him and it doesn't hurt that you know ryan's was a former quarterback mcleod's a quarterback and they they have that ability to communicate just at, at that level correct that, that that is correct. Uh, they do, and and uh, and Coach Mike, we call him uh, our quarterback coach. Is you know he's uh, he he's coached uh, some. He's had some pretty good pupils, uh, um, and uh, uh, he does a really good job of 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 relating and communicating to him as well. When you look at your buddy O'Shea and the kind of job that he's done, did you see that in him? Oh did my goodness! You, yes, you did. From early on. So when I uh, was his coach, um, uh, we played together and then I became the coach. Uh, he uh, he and Orlando Steinauer, right. uh, both. And, and what was really uh, cool is, you know, kind of had this idea, right, is, is that when, when you're at your best, right, is not when you're uh, telling guys what, what you know. Right. Um, if 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 you know everything and they know nothing, you know nothing. They're the guys that have to play. Right. It really is empowering your group. And when you're when your group uh, can self police, 
when they can run a meeting, when, when you have a, a, a player that can run a meeting and other players that are, that are uh, uh, chiming in and giving feedback, uh, uh, that's who uh, both Mike O'Shea and Orlando Steinauer were um, uh, at, at sort of the, the end of our time together, right? And then they uh, became, they were first assistant coaches here and they continued to build, continued to grow, continued to learn. And, and uh, so what he has done Done is no surprise to, to, shouldn't be any surprise to anyone who has been close uh, around him. How many great cups for you now? Uh, so this is the seventh for me now. Okay. You, 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 so, you know, obviously the ones you were as a player are, are a little more of a highlight, but anything stand out for you? Uh, uh, in terms of this one? No, about in terms of, of the other six. What do you remember uh, of the other six? Yeah, so so uh, you know, three were um, as a player, one as a coach, and and two as a part of the uh, executive team, and and uh, so uh, the one as a coach always is the one that that rings out the most, even though I mean, I, you know, the uh, you know, my favorite player that I ever played with is Doug Flutie, without a hesitation or reservation. Right, he is he is phenomenal. Uh, the, the year, the best year I've ever had was 1991 uh, with Wayne Gretzky, Bruce McNall, the Rockets, uh, all, that, that, all of that whole thing was just uh, uh, great. And, and how do you, you know, I, I, how do you leave out Wayne Gretzky when you're starting to say that, right? Uh, but but, uh, um, <laughs> but uh, for me, the year that I won uh, as a coach, uh, I, I say I won three times as a player, but as a coach, I won 40 times because I won for every guy on that team. The process is different. You know the pain points, the things that guys are going through, uh, the challenges in putting team together and, and the growth. And so um, uh, the 2004 year still, still sticks out for me, although if I thought about it and really got really reflective I'd probably say one of those other games were were uh, one of those other teams certainly uh was the best well I happened to be in the room when you made one of your post-game speeches I can't remember the game to be honest with you but I remember listening to the speech and watching looking around the room and seeing the guys all paying attention O'Shea doesn't seem to be that kind of guy is he uh, O'Shea um, is that guy in a different way, right? So, so we have diff uh, different ways to to lead, different kind of leadership, and, of course. and uh, um, so, and and with him, yes, he his he's um, he's very poignant, um, very thoughtful. Uh, very reflective, uh, much so, uh, much more so than you think of a middle linebacker because they just hit everything, right? right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but he's he's much more reflective than I think uh, uh, people might know, and I think they see a little bit more of that uh, in him now as a coach because he he uh, he has to to speak so well, and the way he responds to questions and those kinds of things have 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 shown. Um, but uh, I mean, he uh, intellectually. Um, uh, he is uh, uh, very competent, and and in so doing, right? He may not say it the same way, with the same passion, the same energy, right? Uh, but um, 
it, it is the that time with him as, as you go over that time there's there's such a huge level of respect that his players have for him is he doesn't he doesn't have to jazz it up right mm. he says it right they understand that he means it and uh, and it's competent it's 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 good information and and uh, yeah I, I uh, I've got I, I I just got nothing but love for him. So it's fascinating. So we have a, a former, well, he's a CFL great as a linebacker, as one coach. And then we have a former CFL quarterback as another coach. Is there, is there, a, is there an advantage to being a defensive first guy versus an offense first guy as being a head coach or does it matter? Uh, well, um, I, uh, I think what matters the most is your growth as a coach. Right. So when we talk offense, defense, I, I, I'm a defense first guy. Right. Even though I played on offense, I'm a defense first guy. Right. Because defense keeps you in games. Right. Um, you can you, you get competitive quickly when they don't score much. Right. So so um, uh, uh, but but it, it really is uh, understanding that if you're the smartest guy in the room, it's your own fault. <laughs> right. So our job is to put excellence around us. Right. And, and uh, so uh, mm. knowing and understanding what you need in order to fulfill uh, not, not only a, a, an excellent roster. Right. But an excellent staff that can communicate the different things that need to be communicated. Right. So uh, uh, so uh, it, it, it's not so much whether you're uh, offensive or defensive. Right. The bigger part of it is to understand that you can't do this yourself. Right. That that you need to have excellence around you and the right people around you in order to have uh, that long term success. So uh, if, if uh, you know, you could say that the most my, for me, I say the most important thing is is defense. Right. Um, but I still got to get a guy who can teach the guys that I have. Right. Um, you know, uh, not not someone else's guys. He's got to be able to teach the guys that we have. Um, and so for me, the best coaches uh, have that level of flexibility to to actually adapt their systems to the players that they currently have, uh, rather than hoping that somebody else is going to magically walk into in the door tomorrow. Somebody should have told Josh McDaniels that in Vegas, Bob. Because <laughs> that's a, that's that's exactly the opposite of what he's done in Vegas. Anyway, sorry that was was that that was just an aside based on on everybody predicting the Raiders to be in the Super Bowl this year. Well, well oh. if, if you have enough time, if they <laughs> give you enough time, right, you can eventually get your guys, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, They yeah, usually that, don't give you no, enough time. That is right. <laughs> My observation, Michael, is that this Toronto offense is good enough to score points against Winnipeg. What I'm not sure is your is – if your defense is good enough to stop Winnipeg, would you concur with that assessment? Um, the, the interesting thing is, is the defense is why we're here. I understand that. And, uh, um, and uh, so consistent with that, when we look at the, the games that we've actually played against them the last two years, we went one and one against them uh, last, last year. And we, um, lost on uh, on an extra point uh, to tie the game uh, earlier this year. Uh, both teams are, are much more mature since that point. Uh, when I say much more mature and I'm relating to um, 
uh, Winnipeg, uh, obviously they were a mature team already, but they made some changes and uh, uh, um, at the receiver position and, and other places, they, they just continued to grow into themselves and, and continue to ma mature. So we were both different teams uh, at the end of the season here than we were earlier. Uh, but this um, uh, time has suggested that this is a good matchup for us, right? Uh, uh, that, you know, we, we've, uh, we've not had lopsided games and, mm. and, uh, uh, as these two teams have gone together uh, or, or challenged each other the last couple of years. Well, I think that I think that the story of your team this year is that you have probably been more consistent as a team in 18 regular season games in the playoffs than than any other team, Argo team in the last 10 years. There's a consistency to your team that really, you know, it, it, it creates success, doesn't it? Well, and, uh, and that's what we hope to continue, right? So yeah. uh, it really was trying to create this culture uh, within a three-year time period that will give us a chance uh, to be uh, 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 a great cup contender on a consistent basis, right? So that's, that's where we want to head. That's, that's the dream. That's the, that's the hope. That's the vision. <laughs> I sense, Michael, that you anticipate a low-scoring great cup. Do you? Uh, I do not. Right. Uh, I, 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 I expect the unexpected at the Grey Cup. Right. Yeah. That's, so, so my expectation. Right. Is 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 to be surprised, is to be. Yeah. So uh, we, we it, it really is responding to whatever takes place. Right. Uh, that that's the real key is being able to, to respond to what happens. But but uh, I expect the unexpected period. <laughs> hey, it's going to be it's going to be cold in Regina on Sunday. How does that affect your team? Doesn't well, affect it's your not, team. It's not cold today in Regina. <laughs> well, it's, it's cold all the time in Regina <laughs> at this time of year. But does that affect your team more than it does Winnipeg? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Explain yes. explain the difficulty. Uh, they they played in it last week. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've they've practiced in it for several weeks, right? Uh, and and uh, have played at this time of year, right? Uh, for three straight years, right? So so that part, you know, being you know a few hours drive down the road, right? They are more used to this weather. Uh, they are more used to the wind and the different things that that come with. And uh, and the simple thing of that is we have to overcome. Right. Period. Yeah. Is um, that that's not that easy, though, is it? Uh, it's it's not that easy, um, uh, but um, it, it can also be not as hard. And and uh, you know we've had a few guys who have played in this weather, right? Uh, uh, Andrew Harris being uh, one of those. And yep. uh, uh, and uh, if we uh, if we have a preacher on this team. Right. He he is our preacher, Pastor Andrew Harris, right, right. and uh, not from a religious construct. Right. But but his his persistence. Right. He was the one down on, on the uh, field who were, who brought circled the team up uh, last week and uh, and was. Yeah, he was saying, hey, listen, this is this is now this is what has to happen. And, and uh, so. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's our preacher. And uh, uh, and. Uh, you know, our our, uh, our staff does a good job readying our guys as well. 
Hey, I'm told he I, was half healthy last week. Yeah, Is he, he going to be healthy this week? All right. If he's half last week, uh, hopefully he'll be three quarters uh, uh, this week or, or maybe even full. So, uh, but the idea here is that his presence means something, right? So he adds the game. Uh, you know, he, he got the uh, score uh, early, early the first, I think the first time he touched the ball last week or something like that. And, and uh, uh, he and AJ, make such right. a great combination. They vibe off, off each other so well. They respect each other so much as well, which, which uh, is really important. And uh, so they, they, uh, that, that, that brings uh, a, a unique uh, uniqueness to, uh, to what we're able to do that um, they didn't get a chance to see or witness last time, right? So, so there are some things that, that uh, we've grown in and, and certainly they have too. Hey, how old are you? Uh, oh, uh, 57. Hold on. So you're 57. We've known each other. Bob's and Bob has known you we, more than 30 years. Why do you not look as old as Bob and me? And you're yeah, 57. What's, what's what is going deal? on? What is the what is the special recipe, Mister? Um, I you know my my special recipe is is actually my wife. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she uh, she makes she just makes life so easy and so sweet and and uh, yeah so. Yeah, she, good for you. She's she's awesome. Yeah, so, uh, good for you. Pretty good yeah. for a kid from Tampa. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. She she's a Florida girl too. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, have have fun out there. Enjoy another Grey Cup, and uh, who knows, maybe the Argonauts will bring up a cup back to Toronto again. That'll oh, be nice. Let's find a way. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, love and respect you both so much. All right. Thank Thanks you, Pinball. Good to see you again. Always. Yes. We'll talk soon. Okay, buddy. Thank you. That's Michael Pinball Clemens. We'll be back. Thanks to uh, BC, Brian Cooper, and Michael Pinball Clemens for uh, joining he, he really ticks me off, too. Eh? Pinball. Like the, he looks so young. Bob. He looks the same much. as he did 30 years ago. I know. Drives exactly. me nuts. Drives exactly me nuts. Exactly the same. I mean, gosh. You know, I, st I still remember he was brought to Canada by Bob Obilovich. Yep. And and the Argos and and uh, and I knew I I know Bob. Bob said, "I got this guy coming to town. He is going to electrify the CFL. He is going to be a difference maker." And he's still here, and he's still in the CFL, and he's still making a difference. Being yeah, being a difference maker, he still yeah. makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get a chance to ask him about the twenty one thousand people that at BMO on, on Sunday, but he's got to be thrilled about that too. The fact that there was, and it, I don't know if you noticed the crowd, Bob, lots of young people. It wasn't the old Kaji CFL. Yeah. Lots of young people at the game. I was really impressed. Well, a, that might be a positive sign for the CFL in Southern Ontario. I hate to tell you, John, but we see this with a gray cup and with a, 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 a conference championship. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. In Toronto. If you if you give them a home game in the Eastern Final, they'll draw yeah. as they would for a Grey Cup. But then it falls apart the next year. We've seen it over and over and over yeah. again. I hope you're right, but yeah. I have the no other reason thing, to believe you are. The, the other thing is, but after you after you have a conversation with Michael, you actually feel better about life. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, I I still remember going back to the old radio show, and and uh, you and 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 Mike would do the uh, the charitable stuff. And build schools in in uh, East Africa, uh, 
Uh, and you'd walk out of there thinking that this, this guy has made my day better. And how can I help make somebody else's day better? And that's just, that's Michael Pinball Clements. Well, you know, we built a hundred schools in yeah. Africa off the show alone. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, actually, that, the the great story was that you uh, you wanted to off uh, auction off an Olympic torch, and you auctioned off an Olympic torch, and you had to go find another one to auction off another one. You know how much we got for that torch? How much? Seventeen thousand five hundred. <laughs> and that's I think that would like is that four schools, four or five schools? Uh, no, that's about two schools. Oh, okay, all right. But still, so fantastic. Yeah, really good. I I just I mean I, I as I said I'm happy. Michael, the fact that he and his wife and family have stayed in Canada, you know, that to me is, it's such a good story. He's become a, a, a pillar of the community. He lives out in, in our area, Bob, in yeah, but I know. He, he's, he's just, he's a salt of the earth guy that makes a difference. Yeah, he and, is. And we don't talk in that, you know, with everything that's going on in sports and, you know, and having coupon to, to talk about it. We don't talk about the good stuff enough some once in a while. And it's right. it's good to have Michael on and, and to be able to have that conversation. Uh, I've only got about a minute and a half, but uh, yeah. it's worth mentioning your Maple Leafs. Won another hockey game last Not night. Not my Maple Leafs. Yes, yours. In Pittsburgh. 5-1-1 one, and one in their last seven. They came, remember they came home from that trip? Oh, I know. And it California, was... and we were the sky was falling, and Sheldon is going to be fired by Tuesday. And yeah. 5-1-1 yeah. one, and one now. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, John Tavares, I know Austin Matthews gets all the publicity. John Tavares has been a rock for this team through the whole season. Um, scored his 400th last night. He, he's had a, he's, he's, in my opinion, this is his best season as a Maple Leaf already. Um, he's just well, played so well and so solid and, and has been driving the offense in so many ways. Well, somebody on the broadcast last night suggested Tavares could, would score 40 if they leave Marner with him. Well, and I'm not sure that. that's not true. Well, and I, I and I think I think Tavares makes Marner more accountable. When you you know, when you were when you're with John Tavares, you you know your role and you know what you have to do. I guess you're probably right. Yeah. By the way, Did your you... buddy Bruce Boudreaux won last night too. Yeah. In Buffalo, huh? In, in Buffalo. They yeah. held on again. They had a again. They had a lead, and and you could just see it whittled away, whittled away, and they finally they held on for a five four. So I'm happy for Bruce. We uh, again thanks to uh, Cooper and Clemens for uh, joining us. We'll see you all tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.